Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today on Sense of Soul, we have Virgil Barr. He is a parent, grandparent, youth worker, liver pool supporter, tea drinker, avid book reader, humor and music lover, and author. And he's joining us today from Northern Ireland to tell us about his new book, 50 Years, 50 Lessons, A Middle-Aged Man's Suggestions for Not Fecking Things Up Now and in Later Life. So please welcome Virgil. Lovely to meet you. I like the sign behind your head. I think it's very apt right now. Oh, isn't that awesome? My best friend bought me that. We need more of people, storytellers, and and, and I don't want to sound cliche peacemakers, but yeah, it's nice. Actually, we need uh, more of those and less of uh, people willing to pull triggers and push buttons, you know. The challenge, I guess, for us is that we're so surrounded by immediate news in real time that we feel that everything is negative. And actually, there's so much to be positive about uh, as well, of course. If you want to see how beautiful the world is, don't watch the news. Go outside. Doing things that are much more positive than sitting uh, obsessing about the news and, and so on. So even in the doom and gloom, there's much to be uh, also positive about. So uh, at least I think so anyway. I'm an eternal optimist. You know? <laughs> I think we need more eternal optimists also. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And usually I feel like I am. That's my go-to. Let me just be present, you know, and I do. I'll go outside. That's usually what will help me, you know, is to connect and ground myself with Mother Nature and and just go within. But yeah, it's heavy, you know, I think for everyone. I think even people who don't watch the news can still sense the heaviness. You know, I look at children they don't know much what's going on. Well, some of them, a lot of them do have <laughs> phones attached to them as well. Yeah. But I feel like even they know, you know, even if they don't know. Yeah. I mean, the children are very good at very perceptive of picking up vibes, the energies yeah. around them, even though we don't credit them enough with that intuition that they have. I think Often in, there's those moments in history that when we feel things are really at a kind of tipping point or they're getting to a tipping point, they're getting to a point where we need to do something radically different. And then it tends to happen, actually. In this moment, it's very hard to see beyond the immediate headlines. But there also comes a point where you say, OK, enough is enough. We have to stop because this isn't going anywhere, you know, other, mm-hmm. you know, the status quo can't exist we have to do something about that i mean it was the same in ireland we we got to the point where we says uh, enough is enough we need to do something different and we did and it's not perfect by any means or any stretch of the imagination but uh, much better than how it was and one stage it seemed completely intractable and we have a relative peace now from a very difficult place uh, that we were in um, our challenge is to maintain it and ensure that we uh, don't forget how far we've come yeah, I mean, you hope that you learn 
as you make, you know, mistakes or as you, you know, deal with the challenges. And that's, I think, on a personal level. And then you hope uh, on a global level that, you know, we would get wiser and choose to do something different because we've learned from the past. So I am 47. And I think that with age, a lot of wisdom comes because of those challenges, you know, that we've gone through. I'm 52 now. So I'm a little okay, bit 52 now. Older, than the, <laughs> older than the book suggests. <laughs> okay. So, you know, many of the things in my life that were so important, say 15, maybe even 10 years ago, <laughs> are just not important anymore. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been kind of, I mean, one of the, the, the motivating factors behind the book, um, it didn't start out as saying, okay, I'm going to write a book about lessons. But mm-hmm. um, the first lesson is is really about um, letting go of all the things you think you can control. And, you know, most of it doesn't matter mm-hmm. anyway. You know, most of it, you can only control X amount of things. And that usually involves yourself. Uh, the rest, you have to kind of let go. The rest, you have to say... No, I'm not. I'm not only not responsible. It doesn't mean you wash your hands of trying to change things. For sure, not. Um, but it's also knowing um, what it is you can change, what it is you can improve, what you can control, and being comfortable with that. I think that's the key. Actually, being comfortable and being okay with knowing. Okay, mm-hmm. this is what I know I can do. This is what I know I can change. Yeah, I remember this. The idea of wanting to change the world in, in, in my teens. And, and that was more about my lack of understanding of how big the world actually was and thinking I could cause major influence and all that. And then realized actually it doesn't quite work. It takes something dramatic, special to be in the midst of a moment and, and you're part of that moment, you know? I remember that I grew up in the 80s. And when I say I grew up in the 80s, I mean, I was born in the 70s, but suddenly the realization of what was going on occurred in the 80s. And there seemed a lot of change. I mean, apartheid ended in South Africa, the, the wall came down in Europe, and uh, we seemed to have building on previous leaders like Gandhi and Martin Luther King and so on. We had Mandela and uh, we had other leaders as well who were, were seemingly bringing us to a point of the world is evolving and progressing. We have regressed a little bit, I would argue, but that's also because sometimes you need to take a step back to realize actually where you need to go to. So, it, yeah, in the midst of it all, it's about saying, OK, uh, what what are the thi- what are the things we can learn from? Because a lot of people don't learn. Or a lot of people choose not to learn because it's easier. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you learn, you have to think. If you think, it takes up yes. energy. And if you if you don't have enough energy, um, and then sometimes, uh, the, the as they call it, the invisible hand also you know kind of shapes and molds things. And um, oh yeah, and that doesn't allow people who really want to maybe create change to be in the right place. Um, but there's so many competing interests now. When I was growing up, it seemed a little bit more straightforward in terms of uh, where things were at and how you were able to fit into that. Make and and if you wanted to create change, you know, rather you might have says, okay, there, there's three things I need to do. Now it's more like there's three hundred things I need to do to try and have <laughs> the same the same effect. So yeah, it, it, but I mean, one of my great mantras um, is it is what it is. And it's mm. my great escape clause because um, rather than get very, uh, I used to get annoyed about things or I'd get angry about stuff, you know. And uh, but now <laughs> I just say, okay, it is what it is, and it allows me to, you know, I deal with the the what is and not the what mm-hmm. should be. Um, if I was making a change in the word, I would ban the word should from the English yeah. dictionary. 
<laughs> I think it's one of the worst words we've ever created. Should, uh, should's a dangerous yeah. word. You know, so. Yeah, there's this guy, Randy Heverson, one time he, he was on our podcast years ago. He said, I should this, I should that. And before you know, you're shitting all over yourself. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, might, I might take that one, you know. So I, Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I might come back to you and ask, uh, give me the name of the guy. It was Brand, Brandy who? <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, Randy Heverson, but yes. <laughs> Randy Heverson. Yeah, he was right. Uh, getting yes. rid of the word shoot. Uh, because that will remove a lot of it's, it's really knowing about what are the things that you stress about or what are the things you get worked up about and, and saying okay well and expectation this is my other thing about uh, expectation I mean there's expectation and everything and everyone has mm-hmm. expectation and I at, at this table I'm sitting at in my kitchen I was uh, there was a friend staying over one evening and we're sitting having a few beers and she was talking about things. And I said, you know, it's all about expect. It all comes down to expectation. Everything is expectation. Mm-hmm. And that's why I explained a little bit what I meant by it. And then she says, whatever she was, she was offering another example. And I says, yeah, expectation. <laughs> this is your expectation. And she was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then she kept trying to, and I says, it's expectation. If you, if you tailor your expectations, it doesn't mean you, you don't have ambition or you don't have expectations. But if you tailor them in, in such a way, which is about saying, okay, my expectation isn't going to be like this anymore. I'm going to tailor it mm-hmm. to fit the moment or to fit the person or to fit the reality and uh, tailor it so that you don't end up throwing the head up or getting angry or, you know, or, you know, dramatic. Yes. Now, um, my best friend used to say expectations lead to future resentments. Oh, yeah. I maybe need the name of your uh, friend as well. Yeah, I got <laughs> all of these true. little bookmarkers. You know, I got these little bookmarkers in my brain, but. expectations expectations is beautiful and dangerous at the same time it's a you know one of those double-edged swords and there's expectation in everything we get up in the morning well Mm -hmm. we expect to wake we expect to you know our laptops to work we expect to turn on the light we we expect the toilet to flush we expect we step out of bed our legs will walk us across the floor and we often take that for granted naturally so because it's something you know when you're doing something regularly all the time you, you don't think too much about it but there's obviously uh, the expectations I'm really talking about is beyond that. It's the expectation that, um, you know, you expect people to behave the way that you want and not the way they have designed that they're going to, yeah. <laughs> they're going to behave. You know, what? I just, something just dawned on me, you know, I have ADHD. I'm, you okay. know, I, I talked about this a lot, you know, I've always struggled with it, but I think because of that, I learned early on that, to not have very high expectations because you never know what's going to happen in my life. And so I I felt a lot of expectations on me all the time. And I mm. felt like I was letting down people all the time because of their expectations. And so, yeah, that was part of my journey for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I can imagine it because I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a youth worker uh, by profession. So over the years, I've met people with various uh, kind of, conditions my my son has asperger's he's on the spectrum as well so okay i have uh, a son too mm-hmm. ah, okay and uh, what age is your son um so he's 20 the one who is um he's not asperger's but he's on the spectrum and he's ah, 20 okay. but i have four kids my you have four kids yes oh wonderful 20, uh, 26 to 11 26 to 11 like i get i signed up to be a parent forever <laughs> i uh, yes you did <laughs> 
<laughs> even if you've only have one and they're and they're like two yeah, months you're sure. a parent forever um my my go the other way mine's are 26 and up so i have two daughters okay. so it's 20 26 30 and 32 and um but my son now i mean because of his aspect being on the spectrum he has certain ways of working you know and um yeah, oh yeah. my my <laughs> expectation with him as he was getting older i mean in terms of how we were learning about his, his way of operating was uh to okay we i expect there are certain things he will do in certain ways he'll be uh but i don't mm -hmm. expect myself to treat him any differently from how it's going to be the, you know i still treat him as my son and i i i might make some allowances for certain things but um you know he's still my son he's still uh, a sibling for his two sisters and it's partly uh, about expectation that he still meets he honors certain commitments to life you know, like not uh you know beating anyone up uh not yeah. uh, not yeah. driving not driving his car into someone else the, 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 these are even if you have these conditions as well there are certain uh commitments let's say that you honor yeah. uh and I don't expect for your safety mm -hmm. and others <laughs> primarily and, and for everyone else. You know? So, um, yeah. So the, the expectation, it's the beautiful double-edged sword where everything, mm -hmm. everything is about expectation, you know? So I, I love that you brought up your, your son who's on the spectrum because that was a huge part of my journey too, because, you know, he was my third kid, my first two, you know, my first one was super smart you know, reading it to, you know, just mm. all doing all the things. And my second one was trying to keep up with him. <laughs> my daughter was trying to keep up with the first one. And I had expectations <laughs> that I was doing really good as a mother. And it was all me that was causing these children to be so <laughs> wonderful. Uh, it's it's realizing and, also. Yeah, it humbled me, humbled me. Yeah. Realizing that everyone is individual, that, uh, yeah, you know, uh, my my son is a musician and he's uh, very talented. Oh, wow. He you know picks plays guitar quite good on keyboards as well. But guitar is his thing. Taught himself essentially and was able to very quickly pick up the you know someone can hum and tune and he can start to play it. You know this is, he's very talented this way and um, so he just learns differently and um, he has yeah. certain traits and that's that's how it is. This is how his his mind his brain functions. And this is perfectly uh, okay. And uh, it, it meant for people like myself and my ex-wife uh, had to adapt our thinking yeah. about this and also adapting thinking just around, okay, um, not only uh, there are kids who are on the spectrum who condition is even, uh, well, I was going to say worse, but not worse, but it's even more intense, which means that in mm -hmm. terms of just learning and coordination, you know, much more challenging. And I have great admiration for parents who have got children who are fully autistic you know i mean that's that's that is tough that is tough yeah. so um my son was almost like a a walk in the park compared to some actually you know mm -hmm. but uh then I, I have two daughters i should mention i have three grandkids as well i shouldn't mention my three kids and not mention the grandkids yes. also they're all uh dis distinctly different and i have distinct ways yeah. of learning interacting with one another even more sensitive mm -hmm. than those yes. before them so they yeah i mean i 
I wouldn't want to be raising kids in the current moment. This is this is uh, very challenging. I mean, I'm talking young kids. I mean, when young parents start like this, I, I'm very glad. I I was at uh, my granddaughter's christening yesterday, and lots of young parents, lots of young kids, and uh, you know, you could describe it as mayhem and a bit of chaos because the kids are, you know, just, well, yeah. I mean, they're just sitting there relaxed and easy going and chilled. And actually, I I get great fun watching all the parents get stressed. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it gives me great joy to think, oh, geez, this is great. I don't have to go back to this at all. And the only time I have to do it is a bit of grandparent from time to time. So I'm quite happy and quite comfortable with the idea that, yeah, I'm I'm not doing it all because right now this would be much, much more challenging than I, I mean, yeah. we get lucky, my ex-wife and I, we get lucky because we we're raising our kids at a time when really social media didn't exist was only becoming internet was really only starting and we didn't have rolling 24 7 news Mm -hmm. so all those a lot of that stuff wasn't there covid yeah all the things that they're dealing with these little kids i was thinking i had this vision or memory i guess it was when my my youngest who her and her brother are 15 years apart i am that parent like i was a younger parent and then i became an older parent but you know kids aren't even having i say kids not so much the millennials, more of Gen Z, aren't really um, rushing into having children, <laughs> no, I mean, which is they, so interesting. Yeah, it's it's also interesting because, I mean, they get a lot of flack for being oversensitive and stuff, but actually they're quite, in terms of campaigning and stuff and lobbying, I mean, they're yes, quite active. They're protesting. You know? Yes, they're, they're, they're passionate. passionate. They're passionate. And they're also, they're not rushing in because they realize, hold on a minute. Um, I can't afford rent, never mind raising kids. So, oh, uh, so true. It's a different so time. They're thinking a lot much more about, I mean, they're caring much more about the planet than we did because there's much more awareness now. Yes. About, to care for yes, we were eating chicken nuggets in a styrofoam box, just loving every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they get uh, they get an awful lot of flack, but on a very positive note, they've become more sensitized to people more sensitized to the surroundings. Yes, they're about justice, right. equality. It's pretty amazing because I think about even the acceptance of my son who is on the spectrum and I see that. And I think that's very beautiful because I don't even recall anybody on the spectrum, you know, when I was in high school or anything like that. And I, I often wonder now, where were they? Or were they just so separated from us or... I think there's two things. One is that a lot of the awareness we have of different conditions now and stuff was tended to probably always be there, but we never really, we didn't have the awareness. So we, we didn't have the awareness. Right. But also autism as a condition has exploded. And one of the things that we need to consider, and there's people have been doing research around this, I mean, much better mm-hmm. qualified people than I, and looking also a lot of stuff in the States as well, people looking at in terms of what we have done, everything from water supplies to building yes. beside it, industrial plants and stuff like this, you know, what we're putting in terms of our food production, all this. So a lot of the conditions, a lot of the, uh, what, what they call antisocial conditions or disorders have coincided a lot with the last 20, 30, 40 yes. years of consumption, what we're putting in our food, what we're putting in the air, and so on. Now, there's been many different pieces of research that done already, and nothing is 100% conclusive. Right. Yet, but nothing that kind of, I suppose, really ties them all up to say, right, this, we're quite clear now. But what is clear is that a lot of the conditions and disorders that have been coming around a lot has coincided with the introduction of the uh, iPhone. A lot of the stressors 
among young people from 2008 onwards. Oh, for sure. Levels of stress and anxiety, and depression has, has probably has, numbers of suicide. A lot of the things that will contribute to people contemplate suicide has increased dramatically. Absolutely. We've become much more uh, aware, much more inclined to be considering, okay, our environment. I mean, what has, there's a lot to be said for the social and economic environment we exist in and we grow up in and we've lived in and how, how much has changed over the last 20 to 30, 40 years. And the impact, I was reading a book recently called Sedated, which I recommended. And it talked about how this explosion of conditions and disorders, and much of it is, is connected with the growth in the pharmaceutical industry, which is much more present in the US than over here. It happens here also, but the DSM, the directory of this directory that comes out once a year that identifies new conditions and so on. But the correlation, the correlation between the growth of the pharmaceutical industry, the growth of rather than things like, you know, having conversations and talking diagnosing everything medically oh yeah we have a name for everything (laughs) yes there is a name for everything those people did exist uh when i say those people you hear often hear people now maybe their experience of life i always had this feeling i was different you know when people talk that way i had this sense of and and it's only because they're then getting diagnosed in in later life hey animal lovers have you ever wondered what your fur baby is thinking or you just want to connect with your animal on a deeper level. Well, look no further than Sense of Soul's new affiliate, Animal Communicator, the talented Nicole Harp. Nicole can help you intuit the connection between your soul and higher source as she uncovers and shares important insights with you to create a happy and joyful life for both you and your loving animal. Nicole connected to my dogs, Ayla and Rascal, and it was one of the neatest sessions I have ever experienced. She offered my family a glimpse into their world and offered helpful suggestions, making information individualized and purposeful, which led to healing for the whole family. She creates an open-hearted experience that you will remember and treasure. Wait no longer to connect with your soul and the souls of your loving animals. Contact Nicole today and experience the magic of her work. Go to her website, harpspace.org. That's H-A-R-P-S-P-A-C-E dot O-R-G. And make sure to tell Nicole that you found her from Sense of Soul Podcast. You can also go to www.senseofsoulpodcast.com under the Network of Lightworkers. You can find these links in the show notes. Now back to our amazing guest. I had that, let's see, in my mid-30s. I mean, and it was real. I mean, I and I was very stressed. I had, you know, kids in high school. I had a newborn. (laughs) I was very stressed and I had symptoms that was a mile long. And I remember bringing Mm -hmm. him to my doctor saying, these are all very, they were very real. So they said, okay, you have fibromyalgia here, take all of these medications. And this is something, there's no cure. So you'll have it the rest Mm -hmm. of your life. Well, you know, as I, you know, began my spiritual journey and learned how to use some tools like mindfulness and meditation mm-hmm. and just being present, like we started this conversation with. I my symptoms started to fall off. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend uh, who lives in Berlin. She suffers from fibromyalgia, and same thing. I mean, in the sense that 
what the condition being traced to trauma that you've had in your life and doing what the things that you suggest, you know, uh, I mean, yeah. you find ways, your own ways of being able to not only deal with the trauma that you've had, whatever that happens to be, but, you know, mindfulness or maybe yoga or sports or you find ways. And rather than the simple option, which is simply to stick more tablets uh, in you, there's one con- one condition I can speak personally about. I have this blood condition, blood disorder called uh, hemochromatosis. It's too much iron in the blood. It's known as the Celtic curse. It only affects people of this part of the world, actually. A very wow. small... Very interesting. I think that's so interesting. Well, it is because um, up until uh, my grandmother died from it, it didn't exist then. <laughs> it didn't exist. This is... Um, oh. So it was unknown of... So it and, didn't have a name. <laughs> it didn't have a name, but the condition existed. It had always... Con- yeah. It always existed. And it's just too much iron in the blood. And eventually, if you're not, if it's not detected, the, the iron eventually starts killing your organs. So you you wow. need to, if you've hit 60, you haven't been detected yet, then you could be in, you could be in difficulties. So uh, it's usually, it's a good thing to be tested for hemochromatosis, simply because if you have this x-ray and it, it, there's, I mean, you'll have the gene, you're either a carrier, what's known as a carrier or a sufferer. And, and it was actually my uh, brother-in-law, who, he started to feel tired and stuff, you know, and he started to feel, so he, he, he did some kind of research on the internet and started to explore why this sort of the symptoms he was having. And he discovered hemochromatosis and then he re- went, got tested, he had it. And then I think most of his brothers have it. Did you ever find out like what the root was? It's, it's, it's what they call the Celtic curse, the Celt- uh, this Celtic gene. Which only was there a story behind it of why you know they were around iron or I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I don't know that much in depth about it. All I know is it affects. Yeah, okay. People. Uh, I think it affects people of a particular, you know, pale. Uh, yeah. Okay. Coming, I I think partly linked maybe coming from the Vikings as well when they came to Ireland. Well, that's what I was I was just about to mention. So my partner has Norwegian, not a hundred percent, but a lot. And there's that Viking disease, but it's called Dupertrin's contractor. It's where the hand starts to go in. And the story behind it is, is no, they were on the water all the time using their hands in this way. Mm. And he has it quite significantly. And many people have in his family who are on that Norwegian side. Uh, That's interesting. I wasn't aware of it. But then you're like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, (laughs) it does. That's why I'm so interested. I'm like, much of my journey is about ancestry. So it's something that is my Mm. passion. But, you know, it's amazing what I learned about history and about, you know, even these sort of things, you know, these stories that have been passed down that make sense. Mm. And and, and there's also a lesson in that as well, in the sense of looking back and where you can trace things to, not just about specific conditions or whatever but the idea of how that influences how that shapes and molds present iterations of human beings and how we came to be and so on i'm I'm quite interested in how we have uh, we have evolved you know and and actually as a species and i use that deliberately me too as i got older i started to really really appreciate my elders and really want to pick their brains about all of the wisdom that they hold because they've seen so much, they've gone through it. And yes, it was a different time for sure. And some of them <laughs> are like, what is wrong with these young people? They don't see eye to eye for sure. But those negative patterns that are passed down, you have to make a change, but you can't unless you're aware. Yeah, this this is also true because in, in my book, one of the, the lessons I talk about is knowing what your brain, uh, knowing your brain and knowing, knowing I, I, I'm no, no expert on 
braids, by the way. Knowing a little bit about the braid itself and then knowing yeah. how your own braid uh, impacts you and affects you and how it influences you. Part of the interesting thing about that is when, when people stop to think about it for a moment, it's just, the cells that are passed on to your parents, there's only like 14 different, there's only 14 out of 6 million cells that are different <laughs> from you yeah. than your parents. And there's only 14 cells out of their six, you know, this, and if you keep tracing, right. tracing back, you, 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 you bring in the DNA of generation after generation after generation after yes. generation. And if you think about it that way, you know, when all you, you often see it, people argue about uh, freedom and, you know, the freedom to decide and all that. And I, I find, I find particularly in the last couple of years, you know, in terms of a lot of the conspiracy theories and people, you know, freedom and all this stuff. And I think no one is really free actually because we inherit the dna of everyone so at the very least leaving aside the fact that you know people have driver's license passports you know medical cards and everything you know there's a lot of freedoms that we think we have and we don't actually that idea of being able to make freedom of choice is influenced by all the people whom we come from behind us our parents their parents mm. their parents parents and parents 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 and so on so all that dna has come with us we carry the baggage of the dna of hundreds of thousands of generations, you know, are going back, whatever uh, it is in, in terms of a couple of, a few hundred thousand years. We're now, I think, in the fourth iteration of our hominid. Part of that is also realizing and appreciating the journey that uh, humans, human being has, the current form of human being has been on, what they bring with them, and how often that we don't actually have full capacity to, in, in terms of freedom of will, freedom of choice, you know, I mean, because mm -hmm. we're carrying so much with this from the past. So I, I find that really intriguing. And that, that idea of checking back in with ancestors, I find it more, not even so much that for me, it's more about a greater appreciation of that entire journey and getting to the point where I've almost come, I've yeah. almost come to the point now where people are looking at me as the older person. And I'm older than me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I've become, I've become the older person that I was looking at 30 years ago. So yeah. I, I'm now that person it's the interesting bit for me really around that is I, I've become more aware, more sensitized that just in recent times, you know, I, I mean, there's a, there's a guy very recently in town who, the city I live in, um, well, I live just outside the city, but uh, a man I knew and a, a colleague and a friend and someone who I didn't even know was ill, died of cancer recently, mm -hmm. with, with being in oh. his I think, late 60s, still relatively young. And Big loss, enormous loss. So the idea of what people, their presence, their contributions to life, how humanity yeah, is the legacy, yeah, and the legacy gone long before he deserved to go. And it's a greater awareness and, and thinking about mm -hmm. actually needing to be appreciate people more in the here and now, be more present. We're always doing, 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 and we're we're not being, being, being. Because I really believe it's important to be in the market in the moment and embrace and savor that moment because you know we, we never know when that we won't be around for any more moments so that that for me rather than looking back at the end and i have an interest in history anyway but that idea of appreciating where we've come from our journey as humanity as humans as a species because i think we also have to contextualize things where we're actually a species that share a planet with you know millions That's of right. other species uh, some that don't exist anymore, some that have been wiped out, some that have died out and so on. And I think we don't recognize and we don't appreciate enough the fact that we are a species. We probably, arguably, uh, although sometimes that's questionable, most intelligent species because the, the ability to think and the ability yeah. to make 
stations and so on and so on. But then <laughs> as we started talking at the beginning, in the current moment, you think, well, these species, these the ability to think, yeah. there are other species that have yeah. less ability to think. The difference between us and those species, you know, having that big ego. Yeah, this is uh, another problem to humanity is in terms of pride and ego. And we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of that yeah, ego. And, for sure. And, and that's part of around, actually, when we talked also about expectation, you know, tailoring yeah. our expectation to suit the moment, to suit the person, to suit the reality. And then thinking, we said a little bit too when we were younger, we wanted to change the world. And part of that is about ego, thinking we can influence mm-hmm. and make, you know, cause change and stuff. And we, we should still endeavor to try and support change that is that is right. positive for humanity. But we also, the realization that as I get older, I'm less worried about what I want to appear to be to others. One of my mantras these days is to um, to try and be better than yesterday. And if I can, li- if everybody is living a little bit like that, then things will be a little bit better, I think. But that idea yes. of not always wanting to, um, and this might sound uh, and a little bit uh, counterproductive or a little bit negative, not always wanting to achieve. And when I say that, because uh, right. normally we measure achievement by goals and products and the car and so on. You know, I, I don't really care. Outcome about driven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, the gift I offer not to people often is just time. <laughs> Make time for people because it's the only real gift that I have. And I want I want to do that rather than achieve and produce. And the outcomes driven bit, you know, I, we, we all do things, we plan projects, we set ourselves little goals, and that's fine. But this idea where it's it's, it's about, you know, the e- driven by the ego, you know. Yes, uh, and you're busy, uh, busy, busy. I lived that life for so long, especially as a parent. You're so busy. You're going in different directions. You're like a chicken with one leg in an ass-kicking contest. <laughs> but, you know, my dad used to always say that. I felt that way most of my life, and I remember like not even remembering at the end of the day what I did. I feel a lot like that these days, actually. <laughs> oh, God. And I have no kids and I'm like... Well, as you get older, they, the memory goes. <laughs> how did the day pass? What did I do today? I don't actually feel as if I've done a whole lot. And I'm like... You need you know, some B12, I, B12. <laughs> yes. It's interesting you should say it in terms of... Because I was I was saying about this feeling sitting at the christening two days ago and, and, and the parents and the kids, the kids going a little bit crazy. Uh, well, I say crazy, I mean, they were running and having fun and all that. And this included my grandson, the most, uh, the most not vocal, but the most uh, energized. Um, yeah. And yeah. having a great sense of pride, just watching being very energized, dancing and jumping around and all that stuff. And other kids doing it as well. I saw it over the years with when my kids were starting out with their kids and them being really <laughs> trying to, particularly in my presence and the times I'd have to say to them, you know, listen, don't, don't worry. Don't panic. Um, I'm not here to judge. Don't be, just yeah. be. And I like the idea I can walk around now and look at other parents, younger parents, and um, not in some form of glee, but thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad my time is behind me. And what I like about it now is I don't have that stress anymore. I mean, and it's different that I have the enjoyment and the pleasure because I, because it's a great parenting, it's the toughest job in the world. It's tough, you know, and you're four, you know this, and I've been, I've had it, and it's gone, and it's passed, and all that stuff. You never stop being a parent, of course. But that idea of being able to be relaxed, and as a grandparent, and it, this comes naturally anyway, but as a grandparent, being different from a parent, because the parent, the pressure is on you to feel as if you're yeah. doing everything correct. And if you kind of think about, well, hold on, that's really about the expectations we have of ourselves. 
of others. We need to review yeah. that a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it's for me, that idea of just sitting there and christening, it's wonderful. Kids are enjoying themselves. Uh, but you can see the pressure that parents are under trying to make sure that kids are okay and they're not yeah. they're not about to throw themselves off the top of the table and things like this and watching it all unfold. <laughs> I get really great joy from as a as a grandparent now because it's a different relationship uh, as a grandparent yeah. with grandkids uh, than raising kids. But just your mindset yeah. changes and evolves and things yeah things that you would have stressed about you know or I, I would have stressed about yeah. You know, I've over the last three years, and I thought it was maybe menopause, but now that you're saying this too, (laughs) you know, I wish I think maybe men go through some sort of menopause as well. It's not (laughs) called that. Maybe it's women a pause or (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) but there is a pause. That's what I found. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but as emotions come towards me, say someone's an emotions coming towards me from someone else. It's like before it used to hit me and I used to just react. Now it's Mm. like, it like stays right outside of me and I get to like examine it. Mm. And I, and I think, do I need to react to that? Like before I had no control. Yeah. Yeah. Where if they just came in and I just reacted now there's like this space and I've never had that before because I'm a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, reacting in emotion, not in anger ever, but usually just I'm a crybaby. <laughs> but yeah. so, and I still am in some way, but there is still, there's, there's the space in between where I get to analyze and choose how I'm going to react. Yeah. I think, that, I think it just comes with age, you know, and I think it's just something you're slowly, you start to make, uh, have thoughts about what is it I need to react to? Uh, why do I need to react and why am I why am I reacting like why am I getting allowing this right and it's like that it's like it's a choice like you said earlier it's a choice yeah it it is I mean sometimes you're you've made the choice and you're in it before you realize ah flip you know I mean I I I, why why did I do that or why did I say that why did I why did I even get into it before I, I I got into it so I think it's it's also uh, as I was about to say, it's like opinions, you know, uh, we get, we react to opinions uh, often, but they are just that they are just opinions and that does yeah. not make them, make them right. It doesn't make mean they're morally or ethically correct or anything like that. They're just opinions. Mm-hmm. One of the ways yeah. I often tried to, uh, to uh, over the years was just to simply think that if people are expressing opinion, it's like, okay, thank you. Thank you for your opinion. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, because that's what yeah. they are. And because that person will also become older and then they'll become less opinionated. I mean, people have often accused me of being opinionated. I certainly was much more opinionated when I was younger. But it's, mm. and I, I, I have, uh, people ask me about certain things. I have opinions, of course. This is human. Um, but I'm less inclined not to worry too much uh, about the opinions. It's like people, you know, people will say and, and talk anyway. So you you have a choice. You can either choose to go after it um, or you can say, yeah. okay, it's an opinion and it is what it is. Uh, unless it has a direct impact on you, it's going to change something in a particular moment where you might need to respond. The reality for me is it's, uh, no, it's it's an opinion. That's okay. Yeah. As, as a friend of mine once said to me, you know, pick your battles, know which one you're going to step into. 
as a youth worker and as all youth workers will feel this is they, they feel obliged at times to jump in and step in and, mm. and, and sometimes yeah. you have to find yourself is is this the right moment or do I do I get another moment somewhere else where I know maybe I can have a chat with that person right. elsewhere yeah. and there's times when I've jumped in and I, I've got the timing wrong and I've had to reflect on that uh, and that's only because part of it was the desire to try and create the, the change you know make a difference yeah. and that's that was partly ego as well uh, and and it's it's more about timing it's more about thinking through what you can do in a particular moment. And that's about expectation. Well, let me ask you, what is the name of your book again? The 50? It's 50 Years, 50 Lessons, A Middle-Aged Man's Suggestions for Not Fecking Things Up. I'm 52 now, but so I kind of did it over COVID and made good use of the time. I was actually working on another book, which for different reasons, I had to park for a little while and I didn't want to lose the momentum. So I, I then says, okay, I take the momentum and the onus from what I'm that book, and I then channel it into this one. And I was I hadn't like hit I hadn't hit fifty yet, and the actual book started is fifty years, one hundred and ten lessons, but one hundred and ten signed just didn't roll off the tongue as well. So it was uh, fifty years, fifty lessons, and yeah, so it, it rolled much better, I think, anyway, in my humble opinion. In my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a little time has passed, but this is also for different reasons as well. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's where it's at. Now, the, 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 I've gone back to currently work now, working on the other book. I hope to finish by the end of this year. And that'll, it's, that'll be called, uh, in a not so obvious plug, uh, it'll be called Nothing is Black or White, which is really about oh, okay. this, this is like nothing, yeah. nothing is black or white. It's uh, everything's so a little bit. It is so true. It is. And this is, it kind of builds a little bit on the idea of the lessons. It lessons in life teaches. Our expectations are always a particular way. Then we, you know, we'll always have conflict because we expect right. things. If we start to tailor them, because not everything is black or white. So it builds on that. Yes. But during COVID, I was partly using the time to keep myself busy mm-hmm. and active. This is how I, how I applied <laughs> some of my energy into it. And uh, it actually was was finished almost a year ago. Basically released already. Uh, it was released on the 27th uh, of October. If they search uh, Fergal Bar and 50 Years 50 Lessons, uh, they'll find the yeah. book. And you, they can order it in any, any good bookstore as well. Do you have uh, social media? Yes, I'm Fergal Martin Bar. That's on, on Facebook. Thank you for sharing your story. It's very nice that you invited me. It was lovely to to meet you and and hear a little bit about you as well. And the uh, the sign behind you, you know, it it starts the, the tone. It starts totally the tone. fitting. <laughs> it's totally totally fitting, particularly yes. in in this moment, particularly in this moment. But it's fitting all the time, anyway. So agree. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one or help support Sense of Soul podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.